Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome everyone to episode number 136 from Delving into Islam podcast. This is your host, Wael. And it is a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and a privilege that I'm able to talk to you about the religion of Islam and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is allowing me to share my knowledge with you. Thank you so much for listening and participating and sending in all your questions and suggestions. And speaking of which, if you have any questions or suggestions, please email me at delvingintoislam at gmail.com. Again, delvingintoislam at gmail.com, and I will get back to you as soon as possible, inshallah. Uh, uh, also, if you want to, you know, uh, keep up with the release dates and, you know, whenever the podcast goes on a break, uh, and you know the, the episode titles ahead of time then you can follow me on instagram at delving into islam podcast again delving into islam podcast you know to get all uh the information that you need ahead of time uh now this podcast is for anyone whether you are remotely curious about the religion of islam or if you're thinking about becoming a muslim or if you just became a muslim or if you've been a muslim all of your life and just want to learn more about islam this podcast is for you, inshallah. Uh, now, with that being said, let's get right into today's topic. And today's topic, um, some of you might not even understand, uh, you know, the title, which is, you know, the king with the two horns, and they might not know what is, you know, what is this referring to. Now, good news is for, I know many of you have been asking, uh, you know, that they want us, you know, they wanted the podcast to basically resume talking about the major signs. And today's episode is the first episode coming back to, you know, the major signs. Like I said, we have to be, you know, in and out of this series because it's a long series. First of all, the major signs, like we said, there are 10 major signs. And they are they, they will take some time, and whenever we need to discuss something like we did for the past couple of episodes, something that's more urgent to talk about at you know at the time, then we will pause and then we will address whatever we need to address, and then we'll come back to the major signs inshallah like we're doing now. So Alhamdulillah, we're back. Uh, where today we will talk about the major signs. And we will resume talking about the major signs. Uh, and uh, here's a few things before we start talking about today's topic and we explain what what, what are we talking about when it comes to the, the, the king with the two horns. We talked about the first two major signs. We talked about the Antichrist. That was the first major sign. And by the way, I know I said this before, but I, I want to, you know, re, uh, uh, you know, basically retell you what I said or, you know, say it again, that when the Prophet Sallallahu made uh, you know his ahadith regarding the major signs the prophet never mentioned them in a chronological order the prophet said for example the day of judgment won't take place until those 10 major signs take place and then he makes he made you know he listed the 10 major signs but that when it, when he listed them they were not in a chronological order the scholars uh, you know, uh, of the hadith and the scholars of, you know, the, the basically the Muslim scholars, the major ones, they kind of speculated. They had an educated guess of the chronological order of the signs based on other hadith. You know, when you when you know about something or the Prophet tells you about something and it makes sense that this thing happened before this thing and this thing happened. So that's how they basically put together the chronological order of the major signs. Of the major signs, I mean. 
so for example, when we said that, you know, the, the Antichrist uh, will appear, that would be the first sign because again, from the context, from the hadith, from the text that we have, it doesn't seem like anything from the 10 major signs will take place before that, right? And it seems like the Antichrist will come right after the transitional sign, which is the final, basically, uh, minor sign, which is the the, 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 the the Mahdi and then the Armageddon, you know, and and uh, conquering or retaking the uh, uh, Istanbul and all these things. So it makes sense, right? So the, we talked about the first sign. We had a whole series about the Antichrist. And uh, we mentioned that the second major sign was uh, or will be the second coming of Jesus Christ, Isa alayhi salam, peace be upon him. Uh, and again, it made sense because in the story, Jesus Christ will be sent back by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to basically defeat the Antichrist. So the Antichrist, while he's alive, Jesus, the second major sign will take place, right? And then Jesus Christ will come to basically, uh, you know, end uh, the era or the reign of the Antichrist. So that makes it, yeah, makes sense that this is the second major sign. Now, when it comes to the third, which we'll, we'll talk about today, we need to, I want to tell you this, the second sign, which is the second coming of Isa, alayhi salam, of Jesus Christ, will take, took place, look at this, it overlapped with the first sign before the first sign ended, and it will overlap with the second sign. So again, because we talked about the first sign, the Antichrist was still alive, right? When Jesus Christ came, but that marked basically the ending of the first sign. Now, the second sign, which is the second coming, Jesus Christ will be alive during the third sign as well. So we'll overlap with the third sign as well, okay? And uh, once the battle is over, uh, once the Antichrist will melt and he dies, and the, you know Jesus Christ will take the spear and show people basically that you know there's no more the Antichrist. The jail is done. The jail died. Uh, uh, we said that you know many people will flee his followers, and some will accept Islam or embrace Islam, um, and some will just live as non-Muslims again. And we'll talk about that when we get to you know um, what happens after the third sign. Now, we said that during this celebration of, you know, winning the battle against the Antichrist and his followers, the third sign will take place, which is the unleashing of the nation of Gog and Magog, or Ya'juj and Majuj in Arabic. Again, the unleashing of, and, and, and I'll tell you why we're, we're calling it the unleashing. Futihat Ya'juj wa Majuj. Futihat means basically... It was wide open. It was like unleashed, right? The nation of uh, Gog and Magog. Now, before we talk about who are those people and what will they do, we have to actually, today's episode is not about what will happen in the future, what will happen uh, towards the end of time, what will happen in basically the third major sign. Today's episode is actually, if you want to call it with, you know, the, the kind of a, if you want to use, uh, uh, you know, writing terms or book terms or even movie terms, it's a prequel to what will happen to, uh, in, you know, in the future, in the third major sign. So today's episode, today's topic, we'll talk about a prequel, something that happened in the past. As a matter of fact, it happened thousands of years ago, thousands of years ago, okay? 
and what led to or what will lead to the ma- the third major sign, which is the nation or the unleashing of the nation of Gog and Magog or Yajuj and Majuj. Okay, so today's episode, it's like a, a, a history lesson, if you want to call it. It's a backstory. It's a flashback to something happened that, that is related to that nation, by the way, which is uh, something that happened through the story of a king. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned in the chapter of Al-Kahf. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us the story of that king, or at least what we need to know about that king, in the chapter of Al-Kahf in the Quran. And that king had a name called Dhul Qarnayn, or the king with the two horns. Interesting. Okay. So, like I said, today we won't talk about what will happen in the future. Inshallah, that will be uh, most likely next uh, in the next episode. But for now, we'll talk about something that happened in the past that has basically or, or you know, has a direct impact uh, on the future of what will happen with that nation. Now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us that there, is, there was a king. Okay, his name was Dulqar. Now, first of all, what is the, what's up with that name? That was his nickname. That was not, of course, his real name, the king with the two horns. We actually do not know his name. And that caused a lot of mystery and a lot of speculation. We'll talk about that. But the name, the king with the two horns, now the, the scholars, they have, you know, two opinions. One is stronger than the other. And I'll, I'll, I'll begin with the, you know, the, the stronger opinion, which is that he used to, he's a king that he used to wear a helmet that had two horns in it. It was it's a traditional thing back in the day. You know, kings and warriors and leaders would wear uh, a helmet that had two horns. Actually, Alexander the Great, and we'll talk about Alexander the Great uh, in, in, in a lot of detail when it, when it comes to the relationship between him and the identity of the king with the two horns. So yeah, that's why they called him the king with the two horns because he wore a helmet that had two horns. Or the, 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 there's another speculation that he probably had some sort of like a two streak kind of uh, two lines or two streaks on his hair that basically were from a different color. Like, for example, uh, re- uh, like a white hair, uh, two streaks of white hair that basically made people name him the king with the two horns, you know, Dulqarnayn. Now, we really don't know. There's no explicit text on why. You know, his name is what was Dhulqarnayn or, you know, the king with the two horns. However, Allah referred to him as the king with the two horns. That's it. That's all we need to know. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said Dhulqarnayn. So Allah saying that was his name or nickname, not actual name. That was his nickname. That that was what he was known with, right? Okay. Now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave... Dhulqarnayn or the king with the two horns. By the way, the word Dhulqarnayn means the king with the two horns in Arabic. I mean, the one with the two horns. It means the one with the two horns in Arabic. But because he was a king, so basically he was the king with the two horns. So when I say Dhulqarnayn, that, that's literally the translation in Arabic. So Dhulqarnayn uh, was a king that Allah gave him power all over earth. So he had power over most locations on earth not all of it because we're going to get to a specific story that proves that there are places that he didn't reach yet however for the most part he was his kingdom was almost all of earth and allah gave him that power 
Now, he used his power, his dominion, his authority to call people to worship Allah alone. So he was a good king. He was a believer. As a matter of fact, he was uh, someone who, you know, like Muslims, he would encourage goodness in, 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 in on this earth and he would forbid uh, evil, right? Uh, so he was a monotheistic king, okay? So he believed in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he worshipped Allah and he called for the worshipping of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, like I said, the identity of Dhul-Qarnayn is still a mystery, by the way, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala never explicitly told us who he actually was, you know, his name and, and all these things. And there was no need, obviously. When Allah doesn't tell us something, that means we don't need to know it uh, and it won't affect us and it won't affect our religion. But the idea that his uh, identity was a mystery or his identity wasn't revealed, of course, as usual, would cause speculation by scholars, by historians, right? And that's exactly what happened. So there are three possible, actually four uh, possible, uh, 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 you know, uh, speculations or, you know, the, the, the possibilities of the identity of the first one, like we mentioned earlier, many scholars actually believed he was Alexander the Great. Because if you think about it, Alexander the Great conquered almost everywhere. Almost everywhere, right? He was a great king, right? And uh, his empire or his kingdom, again, uh, spread in, in many locations on earth. However... The idea that Alexander the Great was Dhul-Qarnayn doesn't make sense. And it contradicts something very significant, which is Dhul-Qarnayn was a monotheist. He was a worshiper of Allah alone. He called people to worship Allah. While Alexander the Great was a pagan. It's recorded in history. He was a pagan. He worshipped idols. He believed in the Greek gods. He did not believe in God. He was not, you know, monotheist. He did not call for worshipping Allah alone. None of that. So that basically that debunks this theory. It does not make any sense. All right. The second theory or the second possibility, if you want to call it, some people or some scholars believe that he was the Persian king Cyrus the Great. Now, Cyrus the Great or the king Cyrus the Great was actually the founder of of the Achaemenid Empire. Achaemenid is basically the first Persian Empire. And he ruled from 559 to 530 BC before Christ. Okay. Now, the reason why people think it was Cyrus the Great is because, you know, he again ruled one of the largest empires in the world. You know, like the, his empire, basically, it is said that it embraced all previous civilizations or civilized states of like ancient, like East, West, combining basically all of many, like, again, it spread everywhere. So some people were like, oh, so probably Dhul-Qarnayn was, you know, Cyrus the Great. Again, the first, you know, he he, he founded the, 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 the first Persian empire, but again... He has the same problem that Alexander the Great had, which is he was not a monotheist. He was a pagan. He believed in, you know, who worshipped idols. He believed in various gods. He was a pagan. So the profile doesn't fit. He does not fit the profile, right, of someone who was a believer who called for the worshipping of Allah alone. Okay. 
let's move on to the third possibility or you know third speculation which was some people say he was the persian emperor or the king darius the great so we have the second the second one is cyrus the first one is alexander the great the second one is cyrus the great now they basically saying the third possibility is that he was darius the great now again darius the great is is a persian king same like cyrus the great and he also ruled the achaemenid empire uh, and he ruled from 522 to 486 BC, okay? Here's the interesting part about Darius the Great. Unlike both Alexander and Cyrus, Darius was actually a monotheist. He believed in one god, which basically used to be called uh, Ahura Mazda. Ahura Mazda was basically, it's, it, it translates to the Lord of Wisdom. You can actually look all this information up. So he believed in, in, in an entity, in a God, one God, one God, no, no paganism here, uh, that they used to call Ahura Mazda or the Lord of Wisdom. And also he was very beloved by his people. And that's one of the things that, you know, uh, about the Dul Qarnayn or the king with the two horns, that he was beloved by people. He treated people fairly and, you know, justly. So, okay, so maybe he's closer of, of a fit to being Dul Qarnayn than, uh, you know, the, the other two, than Alexander, because they are clearly not the Dul Qarnayn from that big contradiction, which is they both, Cyrus the Great and Alexander the Great, they were, uh, you know, pagans. So he was monotheist. Uh, he basically called people to worship one god, Ahura Mazda, right? So he fits the profile more. The fourth speculation, and I believe this one, and, and I believe this is what the majority of the scholars follow or believe. Again, it's all speculation. It doesn't affect us in any way, shape, or form. Who is uh, or who was uh, Dul Qarnayn really does not matter, right? But it's just out of you know curiosity or fun. So the, the fourth possibility that he was a prehistoric figure, a prehistoric king. What is prehistoric, for those of you who don't know? Prehistoric is basically means anything that happened. So basically, our recorded history stops around 4,000 years ago. Anything that was recorded in history, right, stops at four, around 4,000 years ago. Anything before then is not recorded history. We don't know anything about it. We don't know names. We don't know anything about it. Okay? Like, for example, the the, the civilizations of Aad uh, and Thamud that are mentioned numerous you know times in the Quran. You know, those two uh, civilizations that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala destroyed completely. We don't have any... Uh, of course, we have remnants of them, by the way, in Jordan. And they, like, if you go on YouTube, you can find like certain... Uh, images of or, or actually videos of you know the, the the those civilizations and the remnants of them of course some of them have remnants some of them Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala completely destroyed and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in the Quran they don't have any uh, you know any uh, successors any any kind of uh, you know kinship nobody from them survived Allah destroyed them all but there might be remnants of their civilizations right however they are considered to be pre-historic uh, uh, civilizations. We don't have a lot of information about them, a lot of names and you know personalities, characters, all these things. We have no uh, recorded history of that. So again, 
the when you say prehistoric means it's something that happened before uh 4000 years ago and most likely uh Dhul-Qarnayn is a king that ruled uh, uh you know the majority of earth before history before 4000 years ago and uh, i think that that's why we don't care about his name and, and again allah subhanahu wa ta'ala never mentioned his name never mentioned who he really was because it doesn't matter right allah subhanahu wa ta'ala never mentions anything just for the sake of mentioning them allah wanted to mention the story of dhul qarnain for a very specific reason which we will get to in you know in a second but again, it really doesn't matter who he was, but it's very interesting, to the, the, the whole speculation part. I believe that it, well, he was a, a prehistoric king. Uh, you know, he was a king that we don't know his name. We don't know anything recorded about him except for what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us in the chapter of Al-Kahf. So that is regarding the identity of uh, Dhul Qarnayn. Now, what we know about him uh is that, and this is again from the chapter of Kaf, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allowed him to travel everywhere on earth. He traveled to the far east uh, and he traveled to the far west, north and south. He went everywhere. In the west, there's actually a very interesting uh, like mentionings in, in, in his story. Like for example, in the west, he rewarded the pious, like we said, you know, he encouraged good, goodness, and he forbade evil, and he punished the evil. That shows you that in the far west, he still had dominion. He still had kingdom. He still had control. He was a ruler there. Because how could he punish the wicked and the evil if he was not the king, right? So in the north, and this is a very interesting story. In the north, he found people who were basically unshielded from the sun. What is that supposed to mean? It most likely means that he traveled to something like the, the the North Pole where daylight lasts for months, right? And he helped building huts. He helped them building huts, basically a shield from the sun. You know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us that he helped people uh, being shielded from the sun. He helped them to, you know, shield themselves from the sun. But why would you, like, if, if people lived in a normal land, right, and every day they had, you know, daylight and then they had nighttime, why would they need shielding, you know? you know, Why would they suffer on a normal day? Well, when he went to the north, uh, for, for those of you who know, in the north, you could, they could have six, I think, believe six months of, like, daylight, straight up, no nights, by the way, no nights. And then they have six months of nights. And, and, and it, again, it fluctuates based on the location. So most likely he went there and he saw that they, there were no nights there. And they've been out there in the sun for months. So he actually helped them building huts. Subhanallah. Now he reached, here's the interesting part now. Here's the our story. Okay, so that is a little bit about him. That's what he did. He was a pious, righteous king. He traveled everywhere. You know, he helped people building huts when they were not shielded from the sun. Uh, he punished the wicked and the evil people, and he rewarded the pious and the righteous. Okay, great. Now, our story begins when he reached the edge of the world in a place between two mountains, by the way. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, a place between two mountains. Basically a valley, right? 
So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us that basically people could not understand him nor he could understand them. So there was a language barrier between them. So again, he went to the edge of the world, the edge of the world. There was a civilization there, obviously. There were people there and they basically existed between two mountains in a valley and he could not understand them. They could not understand him. Like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, They don't understand what he's talking, what, what is he saying? And he does not understand what they're saying as well. And that shows you that basically the, he was in a very far away place that they could not, again, talk to each other. Like if you go to a different country, you know, you don't even understand remotely their language and they don't understand yours. There will be a language barrier, right? You won't be under, able to understand them. They won't be able to understand you. And that's exactly what happened with them. So they basically communicated with him using sign language. Now, not sign language as we know it today, of course, but they basically were doing some signs to express themselves. And he used the same thing to ex express what he wanted to tell them. And here's what they told him. They said, the people of Ya'juj and Ma'juj have corrupted this land. And they are wreaking havoc. Interesting. So this is the first mentioning ever about the nation of Ya'juj and Ma'juj or Gog and Magog. They were mentioned thousands of years ago. That civilization existed, actually still exists. We'll talk about that, inshallah, in the next episode. And they were evil people. They're wicked, all of them, by the way. Here's the interesting part. All of them are evil. All of them are disbelievers. And those people, that the, 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 the nice people, the good people, the victims basically, are complaining to Dhul-Qarnayn, to the king uh, with the two horns. They're basically telling him, there, there are people, there's a nation called Ya'juj and Majuj. Some might say, well, how did they tell him the word Ya'juj and Majuj with sign language? They could speak that word because that's a name of a basically a, a nation, right? So they could have spoken that word and that's how uh, he knew their names. And Allah is telling us their name, by the way. Allah is the one telling us, by telling us the story, he's telling us their names, right? So uh, they said to him that the nation of Ya'juj and Ma'juj have corrupted this land. They are wreaking havoc, right? Now, what did they mean by that? Well, they basically would wait. So now the, the nation of Ya'juj and Majuj, they lived close by to that uh, nation. Let's call them the X nation, whatever. The X nation, the, the, the victims. They lived close by to the victims, to those uh, who are weak. And whenever uh, they plant seeds and they have some vegetations, they have some protos, they have, you know, they raise animals to benefit themselves and, you know, to, you know, uh, make a living, whatever, you name it. When, whenever they have basically provision, the nation of, of Gog and Magog, the nation of Yajuj and Majuj will come out of their town, if you want to call it, collect all of that provision, kill everybody who opposed them, kill everybody who basically stand in their way, and they would go back to their town. And they keep repeating this every time the, the, the nation X, if you, you know, would uh, come and try to collect or gather their, you know, vegetations and, uh, and you know, all, all these things. So again, it was a, a repeated uh, uh, kind of a behavior or a process. 
they come, they kill everyone who stands in their way because they need them alive to, you know, produce for them, right? And then they take animals, they take uh, plants, they take whatever, all the provisions, they take their money, they take everything and they go back. And that's how they lived off this weak nation. So now they were complaining to Dhul-Qarnayn, that nation X, they were complaining to Dhul-Qarnayn, they were telling him, hey, we need your help. You're a mighty king. We want you to stand against or help us uh, defeat the nation of Gog and Magog because we can't do this anymore. And they even offered him money. By the way, we're going to tell the verses. I'm going to uh, read the verses at the end of the story. I just don't want to keep going back and forth. And I'm going to summarize what I said, inshallah, uh, while you know reciting that part of the chapter of Al-Kahf. But anyway, so they offered him money. He, of course, he said, I don't need your money. The, the, the king, he was, the, again, like he, he ruled almost all of earth. He said, I'm in no need of your money. Keep your money. However, I need labor. I need you to work. I need you. I'm, I'm going to help you, but you're going to do the work. I'm going to do the strategizing. I'm going to do th- certain things for you, but I need you to help me do the work. And they, of course, agreed. Now, here's the interesting part. Ya'juj, the nation of Ya'juj, they use the passage between that, the, the two mountains to come out to the world and basically take everything they wanted, spread corruption, kill everyone, torture people, and then they would go back. So that passage was, again, between two mountains. So the city itself was between two mountains, and coming to that city was still a passage between the two mountains, right? Wonderful. So Dhul-Qarnayn, or the king with the two horns, had a very interesting idea. But before executing that idea, he basically said, I need you to gather a few things for me. First of all, I need you to gather blocks of iron. Okay, so they started, like I said, he asked for labor, right? He said, I need you to do the work with me. I'm going to tell you how to, again, not defeat them. There was no battle, nothing, but I'm going to protect you from them, right? And he basically said, bring me blocks of iron. Okay, then he said, fill the passage, that passage between the mountains, the two mountains, fill it with those blocks of iron. So somehow they were able to get blocks of iron, right? Again, it was obviously a civilization as well, but military-wise, they were weak. And not that they were weak, but the nation of Gog and Magog, they were too powerful. And they will be too powerful in the future. Again, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but just, yeah. So they got blocks of iron. They filled up a, a big, nice chunk of the passage with those, you know, blocks of iron. Then he said, gather molten copper. Okay, they got molten copper, and basically he pour he poured it between the gaps. Uh, so you have blocks of iron. I need you to imagine this with me. Blocks of iron. Of course, when you have a lot of blocks of iron, what happens? There are gaps between them, right? Okay. So he said, "Get me molten copper," and they basically he filled up the gaps between the iron blocks, so it all melted. This is like top-of-the-line engineering right there and strategizing. SubhanAllah. Again, he was a king for you know for a reason. And Allah made him that powerful for a reason. He was very smart. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed him with intelligence, right? And it shows you his intelligence. So again, they got tools. Of course, he provided, by the way, certain tools. He provided certain things like you know how to climb because they built it high. 
That was not like a regular. So think about it this way. They put blocks of iron so high up to make basically a wall, a protection, right? Some sort of a barrier between that nation and the nation of Gog and Magog, right? So they filled up blocks of iron, blocks. They made a decent sized wall with uh, blocks of iron. And then he put there or he told them, instructed them to put molten copper between the gaps of those blocks of iron. So all of it melted. All of it melted. Then after that, it became indestructible and slippery. Think about it this way. They made a wall, a very high wall, a city level wall, right? Made out of blocks of iron. And then between them to melt them all together, they put molten copper. So what are the two features, the two characteristics that that wall has now? If you think about it after, right after they did it, it's indestructible. This is not a wall made out of bricks or wood. This is a wall made out of iron and copper. So it's indestructible. The second feature is that it's very slippery. There's no place, they, they can't climb it. It's, you can't climb it. You get it. You cannot climb a mountain or a wall made out of iron and copper. It's very slippery. And that was his idea. Because he knew that once he does this, he builds this wall. And again, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him the, the inspiration, of course, gave him the idea of doing so, that they basically uh, uh, won't be able to climb it. They won't be able to break it. So that was the whole idea of building such a wall. Then he, when they were done with the project, basically building that wall, he looked at them and he said what? He said, this is a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Basically, it shows you that Allah gave him that idea, right? By the way, every good idea you have, every quote-unquote genius idea you think you have, it came from Allah. Allah gives you inspiration. That's why I said everything good comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Anyway, so he said, this is a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but, and here is the interesting part that ends or concludes the story. He said, this wall is temporary. This wall is temporary. And when the command of Allah comes, basically at the end of time, talking about the major signs, this wall will crumble. And yet Juj and Juj will come out and they will be coming from everywhere. Like he actually mentioned, they will they will come from everywhere like the waves of the ocean. Interesting, right? Think about it this way. This wall that uh, the king with the two horns built, this wall right there is the only barrier between the nation of Gog and Magog and the rest of the world. And basically, the Qarnayn is telling them, and again, Allah is the one who told them this. He, can, he did not speculate. He did not guess. Allah inspired him with this. He said, one day, see, I built you this. You're safe for now. You guys are safe. Don't worry about it. You're safe for now. But in the future, towards the end of time, this wall, Allah will cause it to crumble. 
because right now, like, you know, the, the nation of Gwagam, they got pissed. They're trying to climb it. They're trying to break it. Nothing is happening, like I said. But a day will come in the future, which is, that's what we'll talk about, the third major sign, right? The nation of Gog and Magog, they will be able to get out, come out after Allah crumbles, that causes the crumbling of that wall. And they will come out like waves of the ocean from everywhere and they will be basically exposed to the whole world. They will come for the world. They will come for you. They will come for everyone on earth. Literally, they will come for everyone. And this is simply the story, right? Uh, and this is mentioned in the chapter of Kaf, verse num- from actually verse number 83 all the way to verse number 99. So from 83 to 99, uh, the chapter of uh, Al-Kaf. Now, let me uh, read, uh, you know, the, the, the verses. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, وَيَسْأَلُونَكَ عَن ذِي الْقَرْنَيْنِ This is chapter uh, Al-Kahf, verse number 83. وَيَسْأَلُونَكَ عَن ذِي الْقَرْنَيْنِ قُلْ سَأَتْلُوا عَلَيْكُمْ مِنْهُ ذِكْرًا He's telling the Prophet Sallam, they're going to ask you about the king with the two horns, tell them, basically the people who will ask, the people of Quraysh, whoever will ask, I will tell you a story. So this story basically is coming from Allah. Right, like we said, basically Allah is saying we gave him dominion, we gave him power on earth. We gave him power on earth, right? And we gave him from everything something. He had it all. So Allah told him, when you go. Uh, when you go to the west you're going to find people who are doing good deeds who are pious who are righteous and you're going to find evil people like we said so Allah's commanding him see he's doing things based on Allah's commands not from his own whims and desires and his own mind Allah's telling him either you punish the, the you know you should punish the evil and the wicked and reward the uh, you know the good of them or the pious and the righteous so anyway, then he says, uh, Then he went to a place in the north, right? Uh, and he found that people uh, did not have shield from the sun. And it's speculated because they were basically, you know, um, they lived months in, in the sun, in the daylight. They had no shield from the sun. There were no nights for months and months. So uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told Dhul Qarnayn, again, it's all coming from Allah if you think about it. This is not Dhul Qarnayn on his own. And he's admitting that. He's the one saying, this is, you know, a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So anyway, uh, So Allah saying, we gave him the tools, we gave him the ability, we gave him the experience, the intelligence to build huts for them, to shield themselves, you know, or to shield them from the sun. Then he reached between two mountains. And this is the story when we talked about it. They do not understand him, nor he could understand them. Basically, they came and they said, can you build something for us? I need your help. I don't need your money. Uh, uh, I need your labor, basically work. 
بقوة أجعل بينكم وبينهما ردمة I will build something between you and them آتوني زبر الحديد bring me blocks of iron حتى إذا ساوا بين الصدفين قالوا انفقوا حتى إذا جعلنا نارا قال آتوني أفرغ علي قدرة basically again the story of building that wall building that barrier bringing more copper and you know melting all the iron blocks to make an indestructible and a slippery wall look at this he says this is this is a blessing from Allah on you or to you talking to the people Allah is merciful this is a mercy from Allah subhanahu he wants good for you to protect you through me look at the humbleness of that king Subhanallah. And he's admitting what's actually right. But some people, you know, some kings, they were like, well, I was doing this. I take all the credit. You know, he never said that. Subhanallah. Anyway, so uh, he said, when the time comes and Allah fulfills his promise, meaning the end of time comes and the major signs will take place, Allah will crumble. Dekka. That wall will be crumbled. And it will happen. He's saying it will happen. Allah will fulfill His promise with basically the major signs. The day will come that we will unleash the nation of Ya'juj and Ma'juj, Gog and Magog, and they will come from everywhere. Imagine there's a little passage and a group of people. Endless amount of people. By the way, they are massive in numbers. We'll talk about everything about them, inshallah, in the next episode. But imagine this endless number of people are coming out, running out, and they're aiming to attack every spot on earth, every place on earth. That's what will happen, by the way. So Dhul Qarnain is warning them. This day will happen. Of course, those people who met Dhul Qarnain already passed away, died. But Dhul Qarnain is telling us, because Allah is telling us that story, the day will come, that Allah will cause the unleashing of the Juja Majuja and they will come. And, and again, it's like a major sign. Some people might say, why would Allah unleash them and, and you know, would crumble that wall? Why would Allah do that? Because it's a test exactly like uh, the Antichrist. Why would Allah allow the Antichrist to come out? Why would he release him to the world? Because it's those major final tests manifested in the major signs of the Day of Judgment. So anyway, now, to just talk about this, and we're going to end with this, inshallah. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives someone power and dominion, that is considered a test. Talking about the characteristic now of the, the king with the two horns. And what will you do with that power? Allah gives you power for a reason. If you have power in any platform, by the way, politically, economically, religiously, if you have authority in any field, Allah is testing you. You know, the, the, the great power comes to great responsibility. That's not a Spider-Man term. That's actually a true term that we should live by. With great power comes great responsibility. You know, Uncle Ben was always right. Now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us that this Dhul Qarnayn, you know, he did not use his powers to oppress people or force them to idolize him like who? Like Pharaoh, like Pharaoh. Right, the Pharaoh uh, during the time of Moses, he 
literally used his power to call people to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So there is a great difference between him and Pharaoh or, or Pharaoh. So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us any type of power, Allah is testing us and watching what are we going to do with, that, with such power. Remember that, my dear brothers and sisters. Again, we all have some sort of authority. Like, by the way, even in your own household, you have an authority to do something. Do not abuse it. And fear Allah in it. You know, like, for example, if you have extra money, extra money, what are you going to do with that extra money? Are you going to buy nonsense stuff and you're going to forget about the poor when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told you to pay a portion from it, you know, to the poor? Are you going to pay zakah? Are you going to pay sadaqah? Are you going to keep it all to yourself and enjoy this life and forget about Allah's commands? This is an authority because you have money, right? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, like for example, I'm going to give you an example, personal example. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave me the ability to be able to speak to people, to be able to share my knowledge through this podcast, right? I have a responsibility right here, right now. Every time I speak, every time someone hears me, I have a responsibility. And it's a scary one, by the way. Because if I mislead people, if I don't do research, if I don't, and again, we all are allowed to make mistakes. However, you have to be on top of it. You know, you have to be always researching. You have to be, watch what you say, especially when people take you as, again, I'm not saying a source, but they gain knowledge through you. So you better be knowing what you're doing. You better know what you're saying. You better verify what you're saying. And that's, again, it's a responsibility. It's not not something that I take lightly and nor anybody who shares their knowledge takes lightly. I know that for a fact. Some people do. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, protect us from them. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guide them. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect people from getting that such misinformation about Islam or anything in general, right? So again, I could have used, you know, my... You know, the, the ability that Allah gave me in terms of like being able to convey a message or convey an, a, a, person, a piece of information, try to simplify it. I could have used that for my own personal gain to promote something personal, right? However, and there's nothing wrong with that. Nobody's saying, by the way, if you are doing this for a living, do not ever think that this is a negative thing. As long as it's halal, as long as there's nothing haram about it, keep doing it. I, for example, I don't have anything to promote personally. So what I, I use my ability to talk to people to spread the correct and authentic knowledge of islam with those who don't know whether they are muslims whether they are no muslims people could hate islam and they come across the podcast and I've, I've i've talked to people who did that people who were nitpicking and they wanted something against islam so be like let me hear this episode let me see what they're talking about and again at the end of the day you're doing it for the sake of allah and that's and i'm not comparing myself to you know so you have a responsibility too when you have knowledge, when you have any, by the way, knowledge in anything. If you're a doctor, if you're an engineer, if you are uh, anything, a technician or electrician or a plumber, any piece of knowledge you have, anything that you could do and you abuse that and you misuse it, then you will be definitely held accountable in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, وَأَتَيْنَاهُ مِنْ كُلِّ شَيْءٍ سَبَبًا Allah gave many abilities from everything Allah gave him something okay, like I said he had it all he never abused it he never did this is according to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself subhanallah Prophet Sulaiman he used to talk to the jinn he used to talk to the animals 
He used to communicate with the jinn just like that. The only one, by the way, who was allowed to communicate with the jinn directly was Prophet Sulaiman Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave the Prophet وسلم, the entire ruling of the Arabian Peninsula. He was the, they called him the king, remember in, in season four. They called him the king of the Arabian Peninsula. The Prophet never for once abused, by the way, he was one of the poorest people out there. We talked about this. He was poor, even though he had the money, but he gave it away for the sake of Allah. You know, the spoils of war. He had all of that. It was his right. Yet, he had what was just enough for him to survive, but he never had anything luxurious. That is a good character. That is a great character. And we should learn from Dhul Qarnayn. We should learn, and the things, that, and, and I'm going to end with this, inshallah. The things we should learn from Dhul Qarnayn are very critical. Yet they're very simple, by the way, to you know execute. For example, never abuse power. Never abuse power. Okay? Encourage goodness. Give incentives. Help people, even in your own household. When your child does not want to pray, give them incentives. Encourage good. Give them rewards if they pray. Give them rewards when they do good things, right? Be kind. He was the king, but then he helped an unknown nation, a nation that was literally at the edge of the world. He helped them. They, they, seek, they were seeking his help. He helped them. Do not be arrogant. Help people. Again, if you can, help people as much as you can. You know? And try to, again, this is, this is a blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, strategize trust in Allah in the process. You know, trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala during the process of you doing whatever. And these are great qualities that were in the, you know, the Dhul Qarnayn or the king with the two horns that we as human beings, as normal people, we should adopt and we should, you know, live by. And that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us those bits of information about him. His name doesn't matter. His identity doesn't matter. But what he did matters. How he lived his life as a king did matter. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us that for a reason. So in the next episode, inshallah, we will talk about the present time and the future time and what will happen and what's happening right now and what will happen in the future with the nation of Gog and Magog and how this wall will crumble and the whole story and how does Jesus Christ peace be upon him fits in the story because he 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 has a role to play he will be there when they are unleashed in the future thank you thank you so much for listening wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh